0: To the refreshing word of Calvary Baptist Church Accra, and now the message.
1: What a joy it is to come to you from the Calvary Baptist Church. This is Pastor Fred. I bring you greetings in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And because this weekend we are marking Father's Day, I salute all fathers for their love for their sacrifice, for the struggles we go through, for the victories, and above all, for being representatives of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit on earth. Together with our women and our entire families, we can do great things because God works through people. As we continue, let's stop now and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we come with thanksgiving. Thank you for who you are to us, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and above all, our guide, our leader, our mentor, and our coach. Jesus, you taught us how to live, especially you lived like a man, and therefore teaching us how to use wisdom, how to use our social connections, and how to draw people closer to you. May your story and your lifestyle help us as men to be your followers and be your disciples to bring others into close fellowship with you. Ours is in your holy name. Amen. If you've been joining us for the studies the past several weeks, particularly this year, we've been looking through the book of Luke. And we'll be looking this week and next week at what some commentators have described as the two supreme questions of life from Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. This attempts to be a Bible study, and so it's always good to have your Bible at hand to read along with me, mark your Bible, or if it's digital, do something with it, or make notes to remind you of what he said. But above all, that the Lord will teach you how to apply the word in our lives shall be equipped by him. There are two supreme questions in life, and the answers to this question would set you thinking and help you to have a solid understanding of your life and how you should anchor and direct it. The first question is, how do I inherit eternal life? Once you have come to know that you are on a journey, You are passing through this world. The world is not your own. And that people die from day one. Some die in their mother's womb. Some live up to 110 or even over 900 years, Methuselah, and they die. Then the question is, what happens next? If there's eternal life, how do you inherit it? The second one is, who is my neighbor? Now, all these two questions came because a lawyer, In the Bible, lawyer, people who learned in the law, who taught the Jewish law, came to Jesus. He saw Jesus as one person he can approach and ask him a question and trick him and ridicule him. But Jesus taught us, or we see through his action, that he knows human beings. He knows how to handle us. And if you are a disciple of Jesus, you should ask him for his wisdom, for his guidance, in every assignment that you have. As a man, we face challenges. But let Jesus be your lawyer, be your judge, be your coach, be your mentor. So this lawyer came, and he asked Jesus a question. And today we'll be examining that question. And more than that, the answer Jesus gave to that man and how to handle it. So we see from Luke chapter 10, we read the first part of it from verses 25 to 28. 25 to 28. then, an expert in the law, stood up to test him, saying, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? Jesus asked him, How do you read it? And the man answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. Praise the Lord. The man actually Jesus the question, how do I inherit eternal life? See, the lawyer's question stressed something. He wanted to do what type of work he must do. What shall I do? For him, salvation is by works, what he's able to do. Just like most men think that being a good father depends on what you are able to do. The food you are able to set on the table, the clothes you buy for your children, or what you are able to do. But he thought God was going to accept him because he has become good enough so this man was asking Jesus this question and wanted Jesus to answer him. Now, our Lord and Savior, who knows everything, took this man and used the occasion to teach him a lesson that you and I should know and understand and apply in everything that we do. How do I inherit eternal life? What do I do? What must I do? Well, Jesus Gave him four things that he must do. The first one, he asked him, what is in the law? Give me your answer. What is in the law? Second, if it is true, how do you love God? Love God supremely. Third, the man, or Jesus told him, love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus answered, go and do the same. Obey and you shall live. So let's look at these. Let's unpack What? How do I inherit eternal life? The question the man asked him. See, as I said, the first one is that if you want to inherit eternal life, then the law has the answer. The law has the answer to the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? If anybody wishes to have eternal life, he must look into the law of God. And the Jews had been taught this from their childhood. So they they knew it. So when Jesus asked him, what is it? What is it that the Lord teaches? The man was able to rattle it. He knew what the answer was. He could say it by heart because he had learned it from his childhood. They call it the Shema. Look, the Lord, your God is one. Love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second one, love your neighbor as yourself. So, He knew what to say, and he said it. Just like many people today, they know how to say the right thing. And then he said, so Jesus asked him, what does the law say? He said it. He answered it. He rattled it. He recited it. Just like sometimes we take our time and they say, let us pray, and you pray a prayer. You know the formula. You're able to say it. Let us pray the Lord's prayer. You're able to recite it. But when he says, what does it mean when it comes to that part, the part that you say, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you ask somebody, are you following God? Are you seeking to do the will of God? Then they begin to struggle. Well, Jesus said, you know it, so go and do it. said, so if the Lord says what he says, then do it. Say, so love the Lord your God. Love him. See, Jesus is now helping us to unpack what that recitation means what that poem means, what that word of God means. And it is instructive for us to take it one by one. When he says, first one, love the Lord your God. Loving God, you must love him as your own God. This is a personal relationship between you and God. It is not that God is some impersonal force somewhere, a building somewhere, a house somewhere, or something. Because we are using these days to commemorate fathers and salute them. Let's take a man who has bought a car. He loves the car. They say men love toys. And this is his own car. He loves it. I remember some time ago, I saw a man who, I mean, his car is always shining. And a young man went to you and said, How can I keep my car shining? And he told the boy, you cannot shine it like me because that is the work I do. I love this car and it's my hobby to keep it shining. see, it is his personal God. He loves it. He does everything to make this car shine, keeping the dust out, polishing it until you can see your image in it. When he says, love the Lord your God, it means loving God is active. It is alive. We are to maintain a personal relationship with this God. because is alive. Love him. If you say you love your child, you love your wife, you love your job, how do we do it? Love him. Then he goes on to say, love God with all that you are, with all your being, with all your nature. And Jesus breaks this down to four areas. Love the Lord your God with your heart, with your soul, with your mind, and with all your strength. What exactly does it mean to love God this way? Love the Lord with your heart. For the Jews, the heart represents the seat of a man's affection. The heart attaches and focuses our will and devotion. The heart causes us to give either good things or bad things. So if you love somebody, you give good things to the person. If you hate some, somebody, you, you don't want to be near the person. Therefore, to love the Lord your God. Jesus says, look, you are loving God with everything we have. We are to focus our heart, our affection, and our devotion on him. We are to love God supremely. And the question is, do you do it? you do it? Just like that, that man loved his car. His attention is always on it. Love the Lord your God with All your heart. It's the same Jesus who told us in Matthew chapter six, verse twenty-one: "For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also." What it means is that the object of your affection, your treasure—what you treasure, you love it. See, love the Lord your heart with all your heart. Then he goes on, love the Lord your God with your soul. Apart from the heart, human beings have a soul—the seat of a human being's breath and life. Or consciousness is what is referred to as the soul the soul is the life of a human being the consciousness that you have the soul is the animal life of a human being part the soul is the breath that consciousness that distinguishes a man from other animals and vegetation all we are we can say they are living things man is a living being the animals living vegetation they are all living but when it comes to human beings, human beings are breathing, they are conscious beings, they are living souls, and they make, they make choices. Okay? The living souls. When God formed us, the Bible told us he formed us from the ground and put his breath in us, and we became living souls. What God put in us made us who and what we are. And so if you are to love the Lord your God, with all your heart and with all your soul. Christ is saying we are to love God with all our soul. That is, with all our life, with all our breath, with all our consciousness. We are to love God with everything that we have. It's it's constantly on your mind. You are asking him to feed you, to fill you, to use you, and everything you are doing, you are trying to please this God. Are we able to love God like that? That's the question I ask you. That's the question you must ask yourself. And that's the question that lawyer was seeking to ask Jesus. Well, obviously, he probably wasn't doing that. God is not on our minds every time. You know, there are people who come to me and say, Pastor, people are talking about me. They're always talking about me. I can't come to church. I can't go to the office because people are always gossiping about me. And I ask him the question, you mean... There there are people who don't have anything to talk about except talk about you. And so, yes, you don't know what I'm talking about. I say, yes, I don't know what you're talking about. Then I ask them, the God who made us, the God who created us, the God who gives us food, the God who gives us breath, are we always thinking about him? Are we conscious of his love to worship him, to give him our sacrifice, to give him our adoration? Hmm, we try, but it's not always. So when said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, can we meet that standard? Then the third one, love him with all your mind. What is the mind? The mind is a seat of reasoning and understanding. God has given human beings intellectual powers. So human beings are able to think, they are able to reason, they are able to understand. And Sometimes they are able to imagine things. They say in the world of creativity and engineering, they call it imaginary. They're able to imagine something, and after they imagine it, they're able to create it. So all the things that you see in this world, human beings imagined it and they created it because God gave them the ability to do great things, to do discoveries, to think about problems, agriculture, science and technology, to see how to make things happen. You have to think about God and give him the glory for the power he has given you. Christ says that our minds and thoughts are to be centered upon God. We are to love God with all our mind. So when even thoughts come to your mind and you are thinking about these things, you pause and say, wow, thank you God for giving me this thought. There are times when our minds stray and we go in the wrong direction, but in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, we are told, if your mind is going to be focused on God and you are going to love God, then this is the way you do it. And these are the things you should talk about, you should think about. It says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think, think, think on these things. Philippians 4:8. So, these are the things you should think about with your mind. These are the noble things, the great things that should occupy you. Your mind should be the mind of the new person focusing on God. You see, and even when evil thoughts come to you, when the demons throw a dart at you, when you hear gossip, a uh, rumor, or those things that does not come from God. God has given you the power to say, I don't want this. It's like driving on a road. You come to an intercession. One road is tarred; the other road is not tarred, and they are all going to the same place. Which one do you choose? You choose to go on the tired road because it's good for you. It's cleaner. So when some thoughts come to you, you must recognize that, that as a dirty road because, you see, the mind is the seat of reasoning, understanding. And that's where we create those things. Apart from imagineering, we can also think about evil things in our mind. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, we read, Casting down imaginations and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought, the obedience of Christ. Hallelujah. We have to bring every thought, the captivity of Jesus Christ because he wants to be the Lord. God wants to get, to get every part of this. But Jesus also added something. Apart from loving the Lord with your heart, with your soul, and your mind, he says, answered, with all your strength. Love God with all your strength. What does this mean? It means love is man's chief duty. A human beings, as human beings, we are responsible to maintain a loving relationship with God and with practically people made in the image of God. A loving relationship involves a number of things. A loving relationship that God gives us, and as we celebrate Father's Day, let's understand when the law says, "Love the Lord your God with all your might." What does it mean? When a, when it tells men, "Love your wives, love your family." What does it mean? A loving relationship. I said, involves four things. First, it involves commitment and loyalty. True love will not be lustful of others. True love does not covet. True love does not want carnal things to define them, fleshly art and sensual relationship. No. True love is a commitment and loyalty to one person. See? So when God says love him with all your strength, See, God says, love me, love me. You should have no other gods before him. Exodus 23. Everything else should look like a god. Everything, God, by God, I mean, everything else should look like a god. Those small, small gods. Have no other god before him. Not your car, not your, not your children, not your, uh, your job, not your vacation home, not any of this. And love the Lord. or If you are married in this case or you have a relationship, love them be committed to them. God says, that's what a loving relationship is. A loving relationship involves commitment and loyalty. Secondly, a loving relationship involves trust and respect for the person loved. You love God. You trust God. You respect God. You love your spouse. You love your children. You trust them. It is loving the whole person for who he is. They are not perfect, but you love them. We love God Because of he himself who he is and because he came down to love us. He's our creator, our sustainer, our redeemer, and our king. Then a loving relationship involves giving and surrendering of yourself. The drive is to give yourself, give away sacrificially. Giving to God, giving to family, giving to friends, living as a selfless person. That is what Loving with all your might means. And above all, a loving relationship involves knowing and sharing. See, the desire is to know and share. To be learning, to be growing, to be working, to be serving closely with those you love. You are in company with them so you will be able to share in their life and they will be able to share in the life that is in you. This is what it means. Now, big thing, Jesus says, telling this man, you say, you know this thing. Say so go and do this. <laughs> the man then added, uh, and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, if a man wishes to have eternal life, he is to love his neighbor. So, we are not only to love God with the four things that I've said, we are to also love your neighbor. What does this mean? He says, he said, there has to be a demonstration has to be something you do for someone that can be seen and understood to show that you're not only talking with your mouth. It's not only a profession of love without demonstration. That is empty. That is mouth talk, as they say in Ghana. Love is not just knowing something in your head. Love must be active. Love must be experienced. Love must go to the point where somebody Made in the image of God can say, I love that person. We love that person. Any person who does not love their neighbor as themselves, as themselves, is just paying lip service to all of this. The primary thing God wants from those who say they love Him is to love their neighbor as themselves and not just go about doing religious things. Doing religious things is good. But the first thing is to love God. And do what God wants you to do. God wants us to make loving our neighbor a choice, a priority in our lives. To do religious things is only dealing with things that are ritualistic, ordinances, a tithe and offering. Those things are good, but they are lifeless. They are unfeeling. They are unresponsive. They are material objects. They help, but they are not the True determinants of whether we love God or not. They make us sometimes feel good and religious, which is beneficial to our growth. But religious things are not what demonstrates our love for God. Loving our neighbor is what proves our love for God. Fathers, loving our spouses, loving our children, loving people is what proves our love for God. A man may say he loves God, But if he hates and acts unkindly towards his neighbor, then everyone will say, your religion is fake. So, simple question that the man asked. He says, went around and answered the man this way. And then to just answer this lawyer, he says, there's something that good teachers do. What did he do? Say, obey and you shall live. You see, let's go back again as we bring this teaching to a close. What do I do to inherit eternal life? The man thinks he must do something. People think they must do something. What must I do? So Jesus said, the law has the answer. What does the law say? Oh, then the man gave it. Love the Lord your God with all your soul, with all your heart, with all your mind. and Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, correct. What does it mean to love your neighbor as yourself? He says, answer that question. Do to them what you want done unto you. Then Jesus says, turn around and say, obey, and you shall live. Friends, <laughs> two things, and I'll continue the second part next week. You see, this man who had gone to trick Jesus then asked, who is my neighbor? And so we'll get back to ask, to answer the, that question next week. Who is my neighbor? Because that's the second important question about life. Who is my neighbor? Who am I to love? to show that I love God. But today, let's stop there. Today, because of Father's Day tribute that we are paying, glowing tribute to fathers, your neighbor is your wife, people in your household, your spouse, your church community, love them as yourself. You see, we cannot love unless Christ is in our heart loving through us. We as human beings cannot meet those standards. So when the man was saying, I've done all these things, anybody who says, I love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all this. It is not possible. If it were possible, we'll all be angels. It is not possible. That is why Christ came and died for us. Salvation is not by works. It is by grace. And instead of this man receiving the grace of God, he's now trying to argue logically. And the Lord is teaching him, no, you are not there yet. You are not there yet. Because, he says, gave him, verse 28, obey and you shall live. So obey all these things. Go back and love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Obey this and you will live. Yes. You say, what will I do to inherit eternal life? Go and do these things and live. As intelligent as you are, my dear listener, you ask me, who can do this? The answer is simple. Only God can do it. That is why Christ came and died for you. That is why he became our substitute. That is why he says if you receive him as Lord and Savior, you are receiving the sacrifice. You are receiving his forgiveness. As you receive him, he dwells in your heart and he works through you. You you see the standard and you say, I cannot reach that standard. Lord, work through me. Lord, let me be that man and ought to be for my wife, my children, my community. Let me be that man, and the Lord will work through you. The Lord will live for you. If you fall short of that standard, like that lawyer, instead of just trying to boast and ask more questions, say, Lord, I fall short of this standard. Holy Spirit, fill me. Spirit of the living God, fill me. Melt me, mold me, and use me. That is who a real man is. A real man is the one who knows. He cannot meet God's standard by himself. He only needs the love and forgiveness of God. A real man does not go about being ignorant and yet trying to argue and ask questions and not being able to meet God's standard. Today, I commend the love of God to you. And I ask you, will you give your heart to Jesus? Will you check on his standards? And will you seek to live for him? For only he can save you and is willing to save you so that you will inherit eternal life. It's yours for the asking. Lord, bless my listening friends, particularly fathers. Live in our hearts as we seek to live for you, both now and forevermore. Amen. Mm -hmm.
0: This has been the radio broadcast by Calvary Baptist Church with Reverend Dr. Fred Digby, our senior pastor. We hope this message blessed you. Be sure to join us, God willing, next week, the same time and station. We are in Adabraka, opposite Mr. Big's restaurant, near the Kwame Nkrumah interchange. Also in Shiashi, across the motorway from the Accra Mall and Botiano. Call us on. 243 or 302 Contact us on WhatsApp that's 200 Visit us online at www.calvarybaptistgh.org Write to us Calvary Baptist Ghana at yahoo.com